Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Today I speak with Dr. Shilpa Rao, who is a dentist by profession and an endocrusader by passion. Shilpa has a YouTube channel called The Endometriosis Crusader, in which she interviews patients and professionals about various topics related to endometriosis and reproductive health. Shilpa shares with us today her personal experiences with cultural and social barriers to care, as well as her hopes for endometriosis care in the future in India. So this episode is really a part of a short series that we are doing on endometriosis care and experiences globally. Please keep in mind, however, that while our guests share their experiences and opinions, they don't speak for or represent all of the people in their country or region. Just like when I speak about the care I've experienced in the United States, I'm not speaking for every person's experience in the United States either. Many of our experiences are similar but they're also each unique and individual to all of us, and they vary widely. All of the opinions expressed by the interviewees on this podcast are their own. I also want to give a content warning that in this episode, there is use of gendered language at times in regards to endometriosis or menstruation. However, we want to acknowledge that endometriosis, as well as menstruation, can be experienced by people of any gender identity, and not just women. Hi, Dr. Shilpa. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. I'm Dr. Shilpa. I'm a dentist by profession. I've been practicing for the last 19 years. And um, obviously, endometriosis advocate because of the endometriosis that I had and the misdiagnosis, late diagnosis, and all that happens with us endo advocates. So I'm here, I'm, I identify myself as she or her. I'm from India, and uh, I'm glad to be here. So Dr. Shilpa, you are an endometriosis advocate. Would you just tell us a little bit about the advocacy that you do, um, the pages that you run, and what is your goal with endometriosis advocacy? Sure, Amy. Uh, I... I'm the founder of this Facebook group and the Insta handle EndoStrong. And I'm also the co-founder of the Facebook group Endo Crusaders, which I run along with my very, very good friend, Dr. Vimy Bindra, who is an excision, endo-excision specialist. And we work together towards betterment of endo-community, not just by the surgeries that Vimy does, it's more about the awareness that we are trying to create in our country because in our country, endometriosis is still pretty naive. People don't know much about this subject. 
So we are just trying to create awareness with the platform EndoStrong and EndoCrusaders. In EndoStrong, I would also want to incorporate more holistic approach towards endometriosis, which includes diet, which includes maybe, you know, meditation, yoga. Eventually, it is, it's in the pipeline. I'm still building on it. But as of now, yes, we are trying to create awareness and bring in as much of noise, make, make as much of noise as possible in the, in the country that we are in and the, and the world that we are staying in, where there are so many people suffering with endo. I think that you and Dr. Bimmy are very engaging and you do a great job making noise about endometriosis. Thank you. Dr. Shilpa, I'd love to start by asking you, what does typical endometriosis treatment look like in India? And of course, I know that, you know, you can't speak for every patient and, um, you know, every doctor and every um, practice, but just generally like that you have noticed in your own care or that you've become aware of talking to other people from India. What does the typical endometriosis treatment look like? Honestly, Amy, what I feel is endometriosis care is a problem everywhere. That's the reason why advocates like you and I are fighting for better medical facilities. More than medical facilities, I think it begins with validation of the problem that you're having. So First and foremost, if I may say, it's the awareness about endometriosis, which is really, really negligible in our country as compared to the number of cases which are present. It's as the statistics have been saying, one in 10 women, or as we advocates say, it's not just women. You know, it's one in 10 people who is having endometriosis, but that is the reported number. Imagine the number of cases which go unreported. Right. So in our country where menstruation is like a big taboo, I don't think there are a lot of cases which are reported. Urban areas, yes, people still come forward. Women are still independent. But in semi-urban or rural areas, women are completely dependent on their families and, and their spouses especially. And it gets very difficult for them to get a medical care or the validation that there is something which is really happening. So the second problem that I feel is happening is gaslighting, which is extremely prevalent in the society as well as in the medical fraternity. People just fail to acknowledge the symptoms that a person is facing just because the problem is not visible, as we say, the invisible disease, because you look very fine. By the look of it, you look healthy, but it is not the case. You are waking up in pain every day. You are, it's a task for you to do every day, day to the regular day-to-day routine work. For you to get up and go for work is a task. And it is not easy if you have to bear with the pain for ever. So that's the second thing. Third, and something which I really am, uh, you know, I'm trying to 
I, I don't know how to actually change this, but a lot of gynecs, most of the gynecs and obstetricians shy away from advising surgeries, which is the mainstay treatment when it comes to endometriosis. So, and that is also more when the woman is unmarried. All right. The hormone therapy is something which is given left, right and center without even thinking. Luparide is used prevalently. And the doctors performing endometriosis excision surgeries is rare. It is minimal. So I think that awareness has to come within the doctor community that for endometriosis, excision is the gold standard. People should stop just prescribing pills to sort of reduce the symptoms because we know that it does not re reduce, it does not cure endometriosis. The doctors have to acknowledge this first. The doctors have to acknowledge that there is something called as endometriosis, which is which is serious, which is taking a toll on the lifestyle of the people suffering from it. So that's something which is happening when we talk about care in our country about endometriosis. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in total agreement with you that it's just the standard of care that we're receiving worldwide is abysmal. And there's, Absolutely. there's so many reasons why and so many factors to it. But a big factor is just the medical community not acknowledging that endometriosis is a very serious chronic condition that cannot be cured by hormones or pregnancy, or as you said, um, luprolide, which I want to just specify as um, another name for Lupron. The idea is that hormones can dry up endometriosis. They're outdated and we need to embrace new then, concepts. Absolutely. But the kind of, kind of effect that it has on your mental health it is painful. It's painful going through depression. It is painful when people don't realize and people tell you, when doctors tell you that, you know, you need to stop reading upon Google. I'm going through it. I'm crying the entire day. I know what I'm going through. Okay, so you cannot just say that stop reading Google. Maybe in a way, Google did help me in knowing what I should be going through and what I what exactly this is because I read upon Google and that's where I knew what I was going through rather than the doctors telling me what I was going through you know so <laughs> Google was probably the only thing that validated your symptoms right at the beginning Absolutely. it was like oh this is validation that these symptoms are real and they exist and they're they could be indicative of an actual medical condition not just that, like, it's all in my head or I have some um, quote-unquote mental health condition that they're trying true, to blame true, my, true. my symptoms absolutely. on. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I wanted to reference that, um, mm. you know, as you said in India. So I, I looked up the population of India and for 2022, as of July 1st, 2022, the United Nations projects that the current population of India is 1,417,173,173 people. So basically almost a billion and a half people. And then I just took a look at Nancy's nook. So of course, there could be more excision surgeons in India than the ones listed on Nancy's nook. But I just want to say that as of the list that is from 
March 30th, 2022, there's only four excision surgeons listed, one of which is your very good friend and um, partner in crime, Dr. Remy, <laughs> who was also I on know. our podcast um, in the episodes 80 something. But it's just astounding that in a country with such a huge population, there are only four, potentially more than four, but that we know of four excision surgeons in so the imagine entire country. The plight. Imagine the plight of people having endometriosis, having, okay, four are listed, but they won't be more than maybe, even if I count the maximum, not more than 10 doctors who are there in a country of 1.5 billion. Isn't that crazy to even think about? All right, we've established that there probably are not many excision surgeons in India, which is pretty reflective of many countries across the world. I mean, even in the United States, where I think they have the most excision surgeons, I don't think maybe they have maybe more than 150 or 200 surgeons. And we know there are many, many countries worldwide where there are no excision surgeons at all, and people have to fly out of their country. So I'm just wondering, have you or people that you know within India with endometriosis have you all found doctors to be knowledgeable about endometriosis when you go to see them? Uh, Amy, if this makes it clear that it took me 25 years or maybe 23 years to get diagnosed with endometriosis. If at all, the doctors were as knowledgeable about this condition, I would have got diagnosed much earlier when I was complaining of problems and I was being dismissed as being having period pains, as having less threshold, or as having an IBS, or a lot of other conditions which look similar to endometriosis, but not endometriosis. I was never advised any diagnostic laparoscopy. I was never advised any MRI. I was diagnosed only when I reached the emergency room with an intestinal block and my sample was sent for a biopsy. I had to get a part of my intestine removed because of endometriosis. All right. And it had to be sent for the biopsy to know that there is endometriosis. That's when I knew that, okay, fine. I was not lying. It wasn't in my mind. There was something really wrong. Okay. So the thing is, it's not easy to find doctors who trust you, first of all. Finding a doctor with the right knowledge, everything starts with trying to make your folks believe, your folks and your doctor believe that there is something really wrong. Okay. And even if the doctor believes you, they have to be trained enough. They have to be trained enough in doing a surgery as complex as an endometriosis excision surgery. It is not simple. So, because in medical schools, excision surgery or endometriosis has not been taught as a separate speciality. So any obstetrician, any gynecologist starts doing the surgeries and they further mess around with the body because they are not trained to do it. So finding a trained doctor is like really, really tough. Second thing, second problem, what I find is finances. 
depending on the complexity of the surgery since it's such a complex surgery the finances the expenses go high and not all insurance you know providers they don't cover the cost of the surgery when it is said to be happening because of endometriosis a lot of claims start getting rejected because it is endometriosis so i think it becomes a burden on the person and the family to take care of the expenses and a lot of times a surgery gets delayed because of the insurance not covering or the lack of funds so those are certain problems which i feel a person in india is is facing to actually access an endo surgery but i think in in future it might just happen that it starts getting covered more often than it is being now and things will get a little better now that people are understanding what endometriosis is they are at least starting to understand what endometriosis is so i think it will get better with time eventually over a period of time maybe years to come <laughs> hopefully i definitely share the same hope as you i think that there's more awareness about endometriosis and there's more interest from some doctors we're not going to go ahead and say every doctor maybe few doctors is uh, a better <laughs> adjective than some but i think there is more interest from some doctors in learning more about excision or even just endometriosis in general and realizing that care that they've been providing patients that they've been taught to provide patients so you know we're not trying to blame any anyone in particular here or it's really the system the entire system that that is broken on so many levels and they're just treating us how they've been taught to treat us absolutely absolutely there's a problem in the system the, the education system has been such the, it's flawed somewhere so i i think things have to change i'd love to ask you i really don't know anything about insurance in india so i was just wondering if you could briefly tell us uh is is it like a universal healthcare system where all people are covered by insurance or you know here in the united states most people have insurance through their job and then they're able to purchase a plan per like a marketplace um purchase but of course through the job may or not may not be included depending on the numbers of hour work the if it's part time full time things like that um and then through marketplace people have to purchase and of course all the different levels of care vary depending on the insurance provider there can be really great insurance plans with a very low out of pocket cost low deductible um there can be plans that really don't cover as much as we would hope and you pay a lot of money there are plans here in the united states where you can just go see any specialist you want but then there are other plans that people might be on where they have to go through their um primary care physician first to get a referral to a specialist which can make it really hard to get a second opinion and shop around for a doctor that fits so what about in india so amy uh when it comes to india insurance in india uh see we don't have a general insurance which covers all of us so we have private players who you have to buy the insurance or else if you're in a job in in case you're in a corporate sector then your provider your your employer does provide you insurance now again the corporate insurance it depends on what level you are in and depending on that there is a coverage 
all right there is a certain limit that you can you can actually claim and rest you will have to put out of your pocket similarly when you go to the market and buy an insurance policy for you so there is a limit for which you are buying a policy but clauses there are clauses which excludes or includes certain illnesses out of which endometriosis was one illness which was not covered very frequently so for me i got covered almost completely because it was not endometriosis at that point in time it was an intestinal block that i had so it wasn't named endometriosis so i got covered but saying that there are different kinds of insurances which are available in india right from copayment where you have to pay a part of your apart from your pocket and rest the insurance companies pay there are agencies which pay the entire amount except for few deductibles which are there which i personally recommend so what i have done is i have taken an insurance plan which covers everything i have endometriosis and i have made sure i have spoken to them about it because i don't want that i'm paying the premium every year and suddenly i get to know that there is no one who's covering endometriosis so right in the beginning before taking it again i had shifted my policy so i have told them clearly that okay i have endometriosis for which i have gone in for certain number of surgeries so they cover most of my expenses i don't take a copayment plan because i don't want to pay the 25% out of my pocket because i don't know what the amount of amount of bill would be so i take a pre, i take a insurance which covers everything except for maybe certain things like the administrative costs and all that stuff that the hospital has and that takes care of my problem so i i think only 20% or 30% of indians would have a health insurance policy which is very sad that's how it works here it sounds a little similar to the um american system and mm-hmm. definitely that there are people who are insured and there are people mm-hmm. who are uninsured and of course right. being uninsured is a giant obstacle to getting care um because care at least in the united states is very very expensive and even with insurance care is very expensive here in the united states and people can mm-hmm. have um large medical debt even with insurance so think insurance just the financial aspect of care is a enormous problem here the i think the positive about being in india is i really don't have to wait for my primary health physician to refer me to a specialist here i can walk up to a specialist and get myself checked that's the good part about being here we've talked a little bit about one of the obstacles which is insurance and financial aspect can you think of any other obstacles in accessing excision surgery or i would say even care for endometriosis in general uh the second problem that i feel amy is most of the specialists who are available are in the urban sector mm-hmm. and about 80% of india is still in semi urban or rural setup for them i think a general physician is who sees them till the time the problem doesn't go to a stage where they have to refer them to a bigger setup and then 
there would be a specialist who would actually see them. So I, I, I think we need more, pop, more doctors towards the semi-urban or the rural setup so that the people out there also start getting equal amount of care what I or anyone like me in an urban setup is getting. The quality of care that I get is very different from the quality of care that my counterpart staying in a rural setup would get. For a person in a rural setup would have to travel all the way to a city, which will take them a good couple of hours to reach a certain place where they'll get a quality health care. So that is another obstacle which I see is there. I So probably finding, getting specialists to actually work in different setups in different communities is the key. That's where we will probably reach the target target people you know and also what i feel is the awareness the taboo about menstruation menstrual hygiene menstruation is something which has to be broken people don't talk about it it's a women problem so called women problem so you are not supposed to be talking about it in public okay it's just spoken about behind the doors and nothing outside. When you come out, you just have a smiling face because women are not supposed to be, uh, they don't really have the right to show their emotions and just keep a happy face in front of everyone. So I think the taboo surrounding menstruation and menstrual health has to end because only then people will start talking about the problems that they're facing. Because if I, as a 40-year-old, is skeptical talking about it, how would I tell my child that it is okay to talk about it? And if the child doesn't talk about it, how would I know that the child is suffering? So for, for me to know that the child is going through something, she has to speak. Right, so we have to make it a safe environment for the children who are who are growing up now to actually express what they're going through. All right, so I think socially we'll have to be more acceptable. We have to be more open, and I think we have to be more empathetic towards people going through certain problems. You know, so you just need to open up about talking about menstruation. Yeah, I think in reference to, well, a couple of things that you said, one of them was that about how people in rural areas, you know, uh, likely don't have access to a specialist. So I think that really highlights the importance of family doctors, um, community doctors, you know, PCPs or GPs or however they may be called. They're called differently in different countries, but that these doctors who really are the frontline doctors for for the patients, for the people in the community, just that at least that they're educated about endometriosis. And maybe, um, you know, likely they're not able to do excision surgery. Maybe the, the most they could do is prescribe hormones to the patients. But if they had the knowledge to, one, recognize the symptoms of endometriosis, validate the patient, let the patient know, I believe that you have this disease. And um, this is a way that could potentially help with your pain. Maybe, maybe not, you know, it's different for everyone we could try to do for you. 
and maybe down the line, you know, surgery is one of the treatments. Maybe it's not an option right now, but maybe in the future, at least you're aware of it. And also not saying that pregnancy will cure your problem. I've heard that so many times myself. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, is it easy to get an ultrasound or MRI? Or it is. is, yeah, what about in rural areas? Would that be more difficult to access? Yes, ultrasound? In yes, in rural areas, yes. Yeah. It be difficult. So what happens is in rural areas, you have a government set up. The government has opened up certain dispensaries out there where you have a primary health physician, like you just said. So they have to refer the patient for an ultrasound. All right. So in rural setups, ultrasound is still possible, but finding a good radiologist, ultrasonographist, who will read the ultrasonography pretty well. Finding the right equipment, which is high resolution, is a problem. Because those are old machines which are there. The maintenance is not done as it should be, do, be done, you know. So obviously the quality is somewhere a little compromised. So they would still have to come to a city to get a good quality ultrasound or an MRI. MRI, obviously they'll have to come to the city. But even for the ultrasound, if they want to go for a good quality ultrasound, they would have to go to the nearest town which is available, not in the setup that they are in. Here in India, we live more of more in, an, in a patriarchal society in which women, their needs, their issues, their health is considered secondary. Even the doctors who treat a woman they treat as if the most important objective of any woman is childbearing. Okay, even if that means she's staying in pain for the rest of her life. A doctor will not touch a girl or a woman who is unmarried. For me to go for a surgery, it took me years because first I was not married, then I, was, I didn't have a child. So people, the doctors were like so skeptical about doing any kind of a surgery in me that I literally had to push them that, okay, fine, I cannot take it anymore. Okay, I'm popping pills, I'm fainting because of pain, I'm passing out. And you still think that I should have a baby or I should get married only then you're going to treat me? That's not how it is. I mean, if a pain is something which is which is hampering a regular lifestyle of a person i think you need to look into that so bearing pain is is considered normal when it comes to a woman they should have high endurance and they should not make a big hue and cry about period pains it's normal right everyone has it so I, I think this notion has to change that period pain is normal. Everyone has it. Who defines what is normal and what's not? Maybe what degree of pain you're having is something you cannot quantify. If there was a, if there was a machine on which you could go and stand and you know it shows the degree of pain that I'm having, then I have something which I can show you. But here, I don't have anything to show you. And why would I lie about the pain that I'm having, first of all? 
okay i'm not trying to escape work i'm not trying to escape anything it is just that physically my body is not letting me do things period you need to accept that and you need to know that there is something wrong all right which needs medical attention just because it is a painful period doesn't mean that it does not need a medical attention if it is a period pain where you are having to skip your school the children have have to skip their school if they have to skip their exams if they if they have to skip their college if you have to skip your work or if you are just not able to do anything getting out of the bed is like a big thing for you i think it shows what you're going through then comes decisions like going for a hysterectomy or an oophorectomy or any kind of a surgery for that matter okay so this is something which a person cannot take individually when it comes to a country like ours where in any big decision making the entire family is to be included so when there are four people five people a lot of places we don't have nuclear families where you have just husband and wife so you have your husband your wife your parents you their siblings whatever so it's mostly a big family a majority of people have a family size of about four or five people at least minimum so to take an opinion from each one of them <laughs> you know to convince each one of them that i have to go through something like this and then comes 10 other things about why do you have to go for it this is something which is not right the doctor is saying wrong there's somebody else who says diet will make a difference there's somebody else who says that yoga is going to make the entire difference there's somebody who comes and says that the meditation will cure your endometriosis try all these things so those trials take another couple of years in those years the person is suffering and the disease keeps progressing and instead of losing just the endometriotic tissue you start losing on the organs so somehow the mental block about going through an excision surgery has to end going through any surgery here is like a very very big thing so the minute somebody has a period pain and somehow they reach the doctor out of the 10 doctors that they see there would be just one who would advise a surgery so why would a person believe that particular doctor who's advising a surgery when when nine other doctors are advising a hormonal therapy right so so the base the basic again comes to the fact that the doctors have to become more aware of what they're doing and what they're prescribing and are they somehow by not advising the surgery are they harming the patient okay secondly the people at your place your your folks your family has to become more supportive to and more empathetic towards the problem that you're facing and they need to believe you when you're saying things you have to become your your own advocate that's something which we have been talking about in each of our sessions you have to become your own advocate because till the time you don't stand up for yourself there is no one else who would do that for you and it is your life 
one life that you get make the most of it you can't live in pain forever please get rid of it you have options available so i think you should go ahead and explore your options you have internet you have a lot of other beautiful endo advocates you really have to check them out and and i think the amount of knowledge that you gain out of these these podcasts these sessions are tremendous i think you know what you are going through and the next time you're going to a doctor you know what you're going to talk to the doctor about you know you're not you're not blank you're not lost about the condition that you are having so so i think it's more about awareness i think that awareness is growing but i think it's growing in a grassroots level due to endometriosis advocates who are out there talking about endometriosis sharing their experience i think that there's not a lot of information coming from the doctors worldwide um and you know um some countries more than others but as we said like this is a worldwide problem and the information that we're getting from the doctors is is just outdated it's just wrong and misinformation and it's very based on hormones and how long do so many of us go without even knowing that excision surgery exists and of course excision is highly inaccessible it's a huge privilege to be able to get excision and it shouldn't be that way but it's astounds me that it's also so difficult to know about excision surgery. I mean, how many of us have had this disease for years before we even heard the word excision and then on the wild goose chase to try to find an excision surgeon, which you, you know, may or may not find or may or may not be able to access. Um, So I think it's so important that people are out there sharing about their experience, sharing about different treatments, sharing about the options, because if we know we have options, we can make decisions based on all of the options. And maybe one of the options like excision is not going to be available at this time, but we might make different decisions knowing that it could potentially be a possibility or that it is the gold standard versus being told pregnancy will cure your endometriosis (laughs) or you know, a hysterectomy will cure your endometriosis, which they're not even true. So most of the times we're getting options that they're, they're not even real options. And then we're making these very difficult decisions about our body, about losing organs, about having a child potentially based on a bunch of BS, like, and we're, we're struggling, like we're struggling emotionally, physically, and psychologically and trying to make the best decision that we can for ourselves. But as it turns out, we were, we don't even have all of the information and how would we even know that? Because the people providing the authorities, um, providing us the information, they don't have all the information and they don't even know that they think that they're giving us all the information. And sadly, most of the time they're not, they're not, they're not true. They're not. I wanted to circle back for a minute about how you said that, um, Oftentimes, when it comes to medical treatment, the the entire family is involved. And I just want to acknowledge how difficult that can be, because I think we all know what it's like to receive advice, unwanted advice from family members, <laughs> family members who have ideas based on what their limited knowledge or based on what they've heard or based on what they would want to, the, you know, the decisions they would want to make. And it can be really hard to get support 
from our family and get them to support, um, especially something that could seem like a really radical decision, like having a surgery, having excision surgery for endometriosis that could seem really scary for the family that could Mm. seem, you know, financially a burden. So there could be a lot of reasons that a family could not want their family member, not want the patient to get excision surgery. I wanted to ask you, I've heard some other patients from India report that when they make a choice to get a hysterectomy, um, and a hysterectomy doesn't cure endometriosis, but it could be a part of a treatment plan for some people, like if they have adenomyosis or other uterine pathologies. But I was wondering, have you heard that doctors won't do a hysterectomy on um, unmarried people or people who have not had children yet? Yes, that's like absolutely true. Uh, hysterectomy is not advised until and unless the doctor is really mm. sure that you have had your kids and you don't want any more kids. So that's completely out of question. You can't even think about it. Because first and foremost, doing a hysterectomy in a unmarried girl, it's a very big thing. And socially, it is not acceptable. Socially, what is expected out of the woman is get married and have a child at least one if not if not more okay even if that means that you are in pain that's fine but at least so-called complete your family all right so when i was going through this problem the first time i was in a mess I remember I had gone to an uh, to a gynecologist and she is like, you know, you're still not married. I can't do uh, do this treatment for you. And I was that I remember asking her. I was like, what? I think 22 at that point, in 22 or 23. And I asked her, doc, I am still settling. Okay, I'm putting up my clinic. I just started my clinic dental practice. I was like, I'm not getting married very soon. All right, so do you expect me to live like this till the time I don't get married, which I don't know when? All right, and also then the second time when I had this endometriosis thing diagnosed, I told the doctor that, okay, if, and I had severe adenomyosis also. So I told the doctor, if at all, hysterectomy is the only solution, because honestly speaking, Amy, Even for endometriosis, I didn't know at that point in time there was something called as excision surgery, which was available because my doctor never recommended that to me. And they tried everything from hormones to leuporide to to Marina to everything, you know. And when I asked her about hysterectomy, she's like, Shilpa, you don't have kids. How can you even think of going for a hysterectomy? I was like, but... I am bleeding continuously. There has to be a stop to it, right? You're like, no, but I still can't do a hysterectomy. I'm like, I don't want kids. I'll adopt if I want. There are different options. But she refused. So finally, I luckily found some doctor who was like really good. And he did my excision and hysterectomy because he was like, see, you are in pain. And this is not something, this is not how you sh- you're supposed to live your life. Okay. So if you are, if you think that it's okay with you, 
then we will go ahead and do it. And that's how he did it. So for a person like me who is who is independent, who is in the medical profession, has to go through so many hurdles, imagine a person who doesn't have a background, who is not independent, who is dependent on her family to take a decision like this. She cannot push anyone to actually take this decision for her. Right? So I remember a couple of months, maybe a year back, I received a call from a girl who was in her 20s, early 20s. She was having severe endometriosis, stage 4 endometriosis, which was which was obvious, it was, it was showing on her MRI. And her parents were not accepting the fact that it can be that bad. They were telling her, there are people, there are doctors in our city who can do your treatment. Why do you want to travel to Mumbai to get a treatment done? You know, it really doesn't make sense to us because you're spending money traveling, you're spending money staying there, you're spending more money there getting a surgery done. And who says that that's the only place where you can get a surgery done Where when there are so many other doctors in their own city who are saying that you don't need a surgery? Are you going nuts? So this girl actually he was calling me and he was like, can you speak to my parents and tell them that there is something like this? You know, so overall, it is very difficult to make the family understand that it's all right to go through a surgery. Okay, and excision surgery doesn't always mean that you will have to go for a hysterectomy or a oophorectomy or a tubectomy or whatsoever. But at least even if you go for an excision surgery early, probably that will increase the chances of the girl, girl being more fertile for a longer time. Rather than having her tubes blocked, the ovaries blocked and the uterus getting stuck. You know, where are you landing up then? You know, so to make them understand that fact is very difficult. To make your husband understand is even more difficult, you know. And making your extended family understand is the is a task. So by the time you take a decision, you are in such a mess that you are left with nothing. You know, I mean, trust me, Amy, very few people are as lucky as I am to be having a supportive family. I have an extremely supportive family. So I could tide through this, through the situation, I could get help. But even with so much of support, it took me years to reach where I am now. So imagine the plight of a, of a person who doesn't have support at all. She is fighting her physical health, she is fighting mental battles, and she is fighting emotional battles all by herself. It's not easy for a person with endometriosis here to valid to get a validation from their own family. Leave aside anyone else. I get calls at least twice or thrice in a week to talk about endometriosis to patients. There are women who are at the verge of getting divorced. They are women who are at a verge of committing suicide because of the pain, but they are not getting a surgery done. You know, how bad can that get? All I feel is that validation is required and the support system has to be like really strong. If you're not, if you're not getting that support system, you're left alone. And it's a tough battle. 
it's a very very tough battle to fight but as always you need to fight fight your battles you need to stand up for yourself and you need to you need to put your point across and you need to stick to your point and get that medical care that you need even if that means that you have to travel to some other place please do travel to some other place find the best excision surgeon whoever is available and and live a life live a life there is nothing else nothing worse than staying in pain for rest of your life and compromising on the lifestyle that you could have you know so that's what we are all pushing for for me it really keeps coming back to awareness you know everything we've been talking about awareness from the doctors also awareness from people who have these kind of symptoms that endometriosis exists is a disease that the different options um, are out there like excision surgery and also awareness for just the general population that is our family members that's our coworkers that's our friends that's strangers on the street if we you know fall down suddenly in pain and you know and say oh i'm having an endometriosis flare they can be like oh my gosh let me help you and not just like what's wrong with you it's so difficult when your family doesn't understand doesn't support you and a lot of times they think that they're trying to support you um not all families but i think many times families members they think that they're supporting you um but they're not and it it's a really difficult decision to have a surgery and to be diagnosed with a disease and i remember when i was going to go for my excision surgery i mean i didn't even i just didn't know like should i get the surgery i was so scared i was just i was confused i i was overwhelmed and like i don't have family who weigh in on those decisions with me and i i can't even imagine at least i had like no people commenting like i just kind of <laughs> had like i was reaching out to a lot of like coworkers and people in my community um but i can't even imagine having family members you know actively pushing back against why do you want to have a surgery um that's True. too expensive you know you're not married yet so don't let anyone touch uh, your gynecological parts Correct. and Correct. um you know even if you're not getting them removed right and yeah it's just it's just really hard and even i went on vacation with uh recently with my parents and i was really tired one day my period was coming like towards the end of the trip and my dad was like oh what's wrong with you you're really tired and i was like oh my period is coming and he literally goes oh that's too much information you don't have to tell me that <laughs> and i was like wow dad like grow uh, up like grow up and actually they don't know that i have endometriosis so they don't even know that i have like a disease that you know mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. in my case affects my period and my my symptoms and stuff so they don't know that so but still it was just like this is one of the reasons why people are not getting care and they're not Absolutely. getting to the doctor's office and they're not getting the support they need because you know i'm like pull over the car i have to poo and they're like oh don't be disgusting and you're like what the heck like help support exactly. my, my body so exactly that's what there's there's too much of shame in a lot of things which are which are nothing but regular your bodily functions which are which is perfectly all right i think you just need to accept that it's fine you know why do you have to be shameful about these things there's nothing right imagine one day to imagine the time if you don't poop then what <laughs> Yes, they're very okay. they're difficult conversations to bring up with people who have a lot of inherent shame and and regular okay. normal body functions that we all have. And then when you introduce dysfunction into the equation, 
um, it gets even more convoluted. So ask me, my patients keep getting confused. They're like, you are a dentist. What do you keep doing on your Facebook? <laughs> like, and they're like, you do something on the Facebook. I'm like, something, please go and watch it. What something is it? <laughs> you know, it's not something because they don't want to say, you know, because it's related to menstruation. So they don't want to say, but then like, you're doing something on the Facebook. We saw you doing something. I was like, okay. You're like, well, you can unfollow me if you don't like my content. You're not obligated to follow my content. (laughs) (laughs) But maybe you'll learn something if you stay. But that's because that's what. But then that's lovely because what happens is when their wife or their daughter is having a problem, they suddenly call me and they're like, you were doing this on Facebook. So can you speak to my wife? And I was like, okay, that's where the awareness is coming. Somewhere, slowly, very, very slowly, but it will come. With this persistent thing that we keep doing, I think it will, it will seep into the brains of people. <laughs> you know, that's, that's really beautiful that people reach out to you because you have your Facebook page, your YouTube page, you're very outspoken mm. about endometriosis. And I think it's, it's really moving when when you can have that human to human contact with real people, not just, you know, your know. Facebook audience or Instagram followers, like people who, where you get to know them or they contact you and say, can you help me? Can you guide me? Um, so I just want to acknowledge that you do that because it takes a lot of work to run these platforms. It takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of emotional energy, especially if you're having conversations, um, getting on the phone with people, talking to them. You know, if someone calls and asks, can you talk to my wife? Can you talk to my child? And getting on the phone with these people and helping them can be, you know, getting emotionally involved is uh, very, it can be very draining. And of course, taking care of ourselves is already so difficult and you're running a dental practice and, you know, you're a medical professional. So I really just want to acknowledge the really great work you're doing within the endometriosis community and just say how much your voice matters and say thank you to you for for doing so much and also for coming on our podcast today thank you amy thank you so much for acknowledging this and thank you for the beautiful work that you are doing in getting so much of awareness in people and thank you for inviting me over to your podcast it means a lot So before we end today, I wanted to ask you, uh, we've covered so many topics. Is there anything else that you wanted to add into this episode? Amy, just one last thing that I wanted to uh, talk about endometriosis is people, when they're dealing with endometriosis, I think they have to make it as a holistic approach, you know, right from excision surgery to your physiotherapies, to your diet to your exercise and your mental health i think all these things have to be taken care of together one thing just by doing one thing you will not be in a good space you have to do a bit of everything and and you'll have to work on yourself your attitude your mindset because it is a it's a fight that you're putting up every day even after excision it is much better i would not say it is not better but there still would be some issues you would have, right? Because obviously, since your body has been in pain for so long, your mind is wired in a certain way, 
right? So you have to work on your mindset also. So overall, if you work on your holistic on your holistic well being, I think that will take you a long way. You know, so that's what I wanted to say as my parting words here. That endometriosis is something which we all need to fight for together. We have to fight to end the stigma about endometriosis, and we have to break the silence about endometriosis. Let's all join together and let's all talk. And I'm so glad there are people talking about it now. When I started in India, I think I was one of the few ones who was doing it here. But now I'm seeing of other people who have become endo advocates, and I'm so happy about it. We will all together make a difference. I know that. <laughs>